the last, crossing the Abbey at the 550, leads three quarters written by Lady Horse Owner up around the outside, three deep from Prairie Fire stalking them, then Ennis Hill, next Aristocratic Miss, further back in the field, Plague Stone, a hood to the outside, only about four off the lead, it's written by, taking the lead at the top of the straight, written by from Lady Horse Owner, Ennis Hill, Prairie Fire back to the inside, Enbahar late down the outer, written by at the 200 metres, two legs in front, Enbahar charging on the outside, but it's written by, written by for Jordan Childs. What a victory, what a moment for the young man. Three links in Baha, or Hood third. G'day punters and welcome to another Racing Previews podcast. Well, we've got a special guest on tonight. Me and Nico have been spruiking it up for a little while, but finally it's here. Uh, Nico and Will, I'll introduce you, you guys first. How are we? Yeah, good mate. We just had to uh, we just had to wait for this week. We just wanted to perfectly yep, time our run, and hopefully, hopefully, fingers crossed, it's a big week for us, and it's a big week for Geordie. So, it's a pleasure to have him on. Yep. Yeah, we've had a week off the races because school's getting to the pointy end, but um, this week, <laughs> getting back into it. Yeah. Good stuff. We got our stats man back. Geordie, <laughs> I'll now introduce you. Uh, uh, Firstly, thanks for your time. We understand you're super busy and this is obviously a massive weekend coming up for you. Yeah, thanks boys. Pleasure to be on. So we've just listened to the written by replay in the intro. Um, Massive. The 2018 Blue Diamond, that's where we've got to start. What are your memories from that day and how good was it to get that Group 1 on your CV? Yeah, it was a big day. Um, Obviously... He was a spruik horse leading into it. Um, he'd been very competitive in his previous starts. Uh, I think he won three in a row, and he was going into that race being the favourite. Um, and obviously, being probably my first live chance in a Group One, um, it was very exciting. It, the day sort of flew by. Um, obviously, the Blue Diamonds one of the later races on the day, and by the time I got to the race, um, I wasn't nervous. I was more excited. Um, and yeah, obviously jumped out of the gates well, straight into a forward spot, travelled kindly around the corner and then once I let him go, um, he had a good turn of foot and he was able to hold off the challenges. So it was definitely um, the biggest day in my career probably so far when the group won. Um, but yeah, hopefully we can uh, get a couple more this spring. So obviously mm. that's a, a perfect little segue. Obviously the Blue Diamonds, our biggest two-year-old race. Um, obviously, that's a, a massive highlight in your career. But what are some of the other more memorable days in the saddle that you can that you can touch on? Obviously, Surprise Baby in the Melbourne Cup would have to be right up there, wouldn't it? Yeah, definitely Surprise Baby Melbourne Cup. But probably um, more Turnbull Stakes Day when um, Surprise Baby won the Bart Cummings. We, it was a do or die. I had to win that race to get into the Melbourne Cup. Uh, we had a job to do and we had to deliver. Um, so that was probably from my point of view it was a very big day so I had to go out there and get the horse into the Melbourne Cup um, and we were able to execute that and it was uh, yeah it was a fantastic day also got a couple of winners on that day and there was a 50 grand bonus for the leading jockey so that definitely helped the bank account <laughs> beautiful and we um, obviously know one bef- you go later, I've just got one before you take over Will um, so in that blue diamond Britain by was smashed in betting and then obviously surprise baby in that Bart Cummings another big favourite we're all punters as a jockey are you aware of that kind of betting move in the in the dying moments leading up to the race or not really 
No, not really. Um, obviously, I, I was probably surprised when I found out they'd written by and be back that much. Um, I had no ideas. You go into the races early in the morning. Um, you don't come out. It's obviously the afternoon, and yeah, you don't have much of an idea of what the betting market's going on unless you look at the TV and it pops up. Um, but as a jockey, you don't really focus on that. Um, you go out, you got a job to do. Um, the betting doesn't really worry us at all. You know, it doesn't doesn't phase us. We just go out there and try to do the best for our owners' connections and the horse. Yeah, and um, obviously we know that your dad, Greg, was a champion jockey and he won multiple premierships in Victoria. And he, he even rode legendary horses like Sunline to the Cox Plate, uh, Cox Plate win and Northerly in the Caulfield Cup. Um, how has that influenced your career and how did that influence you in becoming a jockey? Yeah, well, um, obviously Dad had a long-standing career. Um, I grew up around horses and racing. That's uh, all I've ever wanted to do was be a jockey. Um, so as soon as I was, I was old enough and probably old, strong enough to ride track work, I was riding track work. Um, during my school holiday, holidays and I was going to the stables um, and even on the weekends and working with Patrick Payne um, he gave me a good foundation as well and then obviously probably got that guidance of someone to lean on um, with dad being through everything even though it can be hard listening to your father at times and when he's telling you what to do you can have a few arguments um, but no he's definitely been a big help in my career uh, it's probably during my earlier stages, as I've gotten older now and I know what I'm doing, um, he's probably backed off, backed off a lot. Um, but it's always good to have someone there that you can always fall back on, you know. <clears throat> and what age did you start riding? Um, so I rode, I think I sat on my first horse when I was two years old. Um, we grew up on a farm out in Greenvale, so we always had ponies. And I went up through like the pony club um, and then did a, bit, a lot of show jumping and eventing through my whole life and then I probably sat on a racehorse I reckon I was 15 or 16 um, at the time and I was still at school and then I was going out and riding track work at um, Patrick Payne's place because he's got a private property you weren't allowed to go like to Flemington um, until you must be it must be 17 or maybe yeah 16 or 17 I think it must have been 15 but I could go to a private training track and obviously ride horses out there um, and that's how it all started mm, yep and your dad, he was born in New Zealand. What sparked the move for him to come over here, not only to ride, but also to live? And I guess the extension of that question is, could you imagine, if he didn't, imagine living in New Zealand? Yeah, exactly. Obviously, so all my family, mum's from New Zealand as well. Um, mum and dad's side are all from New Zealand and still there. It's only mum, dad and my sister and me over in Australia. Um, and he, he just, he achieved what he wanted to achieve over there. Um, he'd won a lot of races, uh, won a few group ones, and he was just looking for something different. Um, and obviously the prize money in Australia was a lot better. So he thought he'd make a move and give it a crack. Um, and that was obviously I was before I was born, so it'd be 27 years ago or something like that. Um, he decided to make the move over here. He, he actually he came over here for a um, spring carnival in whatever year it was, rode to Carnival, and then he actually decided that he wanted to go to America and give it a crack over there um, before he decided where he wanted to settle down. So he went to America. I think he spent maybe six months over there um, and then decided it wasn't for him and then moved back to Australia and obviously just went from strength to strength, right in here. 
also did a few stints in Hong Kong. I was actually born in Hong Kong when he was riding over there in 96. Wow. Um, and then shortly after that, but shortly after that, he, he moved back home to Australia. Yeah, That's awesome. <clears throat> oh, sorry. And, and on being a jockey, okay. what are your favourite things about being 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 a jockey, and and what are the biggest challenges? Um, favourite things definitely winning, winning <laughs> for sure. Um, probably you get to meet a lot of people. Um, a lot of people from different walks of life, obviously owners, trainers, a lot of characters. Um, the thing I really enjoy about it is probably finding a horse early days when they first sort of come into the stable or when they're really young um, and then sticking with them and educating them through um, and then seeing them get to the top levels, um, I guess sort of like written by and surprise baby, non-conformist. Um, I've all ridden those horses from a young age and you sort of, as a jockey, you try to stamp yourself with a horse early days, um, mm. and it can be hard to do. And then hopefully, stick to it, and they can take you to the great heights. You know, um, it's it's just probably I find it quite rewarding. And the jockey lifestyle, we know it's a, a real fascinating one. It's one that a lot of people don't really know much about. What are your days and weeks looking like at the moment? We know you've had trials this morning. Um, how often are you actually riding? How do you manage your sleep? All those types of things. Yeah, so it's a pretty busy lifestyle, obviously. Um, and there's a lot that goes into it with riding track work, um, losing weight, and then going to the races as well. But yeah, I probably ride track work, I reckon, four times a week, four or five. Um, it does change weekly, but sort of a base outline would be Monday, be Cranbourne jump outs, um, Tuesday's Cranbourne track work. Wednesday, Thursday, I usually try to leave it free. Um, and then Fridays at Flemington, do track work and jump outs. And then Saturday morning, um, depends what weight I'm sort of riding on a Saturday, if I do ride track work on Saturday morning, because um, you want to try and be fresh going into a Saturday race day. Um, but then if you've got a good horse that needs to be worked, you might have to drive down to Cranbourne and jump on one or two, you know. Um, but yeah, it's yeah. probably the worst thing about it would be the wasting. Um, and keeping your weight in check like it can get pretty tough at times and it's it seems to be okay during the spring carnivals and when you got something to look forward to it's pretty good but when you're in the middle of winter um trying to sweat off and it's cold and all you want to do is eat a big steak or a pasta mm. and you can't <laughs> it can get pretty challenging yeah, definitely but up. hopefully all is all is worth it moving into obviously this this Saturday is probably the start of spring. What a lot of you boys mentioned, you know, Memsey Stakes Day, first group one. Two of your biggest horses moving into the spring carnival probably kick off this weekend, it's probably fair to say. Um, you're obviously looking forward to getting on passive-aggressive and non-conformist. Is there any other ones that you're looking forward to getting on as well? Yeah, I'm actually um, Cardinal Gem. I'm riding him as well this weekend. Yep. Um, he's going quite nice. He's up to 1,400. He's been a bit of a nightmare horse. He just mm. seems to find trouble every time he goes around. Um, but it was good to see him get a win during the winter. Um, but, yeah, obviously non-conformist first up. He's on a Caulfield Cup campaign again. Yep. We ran second last year. Um, he's going extremely well. I 
galloped him yesterday at Cranbourne Racecourse on the course proper, um, and he couldn't be going any better. But obviously, yeah, the 1400 might be a bit short for him, but I wouldn't be surprised he ran a cheeky race. Um, he'll obviously be probably middle to back, but he seems to be going very well, so I'd be expecting him to hit the line hard. All right, we can keep the we can keep the lid on it, or we don't have to keep the lid on it. How how good is she? You know how much I love her. I'm not yes. I'm not going to put you in a position that you have to say and then you don't want to. Yeah, yeah. But is is she potentially up there one of the better horses that you've ridden or got uh, the potential I, to be? Potential to passive be. Passive aggressive. Yeah, 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 passive aggressive. Yeah. Um, try in racing. You try not to get too ahead of yourself because. Uh, there's been that many times where you've had high hopes and then things have gone pear-shaped or they haven't worked out. But um, she does seem pretty special. She she does everything so easily. She's untapped. Um, she's just, she hasn't really been challenged yet. So it's very exciting. Um, I think she's very good, but she still has to take that next step. Um, obviously yes, it's all well and, do, well and good doing it well in the races she's been do it, doing. Um, but this is another another step up again on Saturday. So she has to step up again. But as far as her attitude and the way she's going about track work, it's, she's just been unbelievable. Um, she's very push-button horse. Like, you just hold her in your hands. And then as soon as you're asked her to quicken, it's like one little movement, and then she's gone. She's off and gone. Um, she galloped on Monday morning with... Uh, Rose Courts, who's a very good track work horse as well. Um, they were at Cranmer Race Course, and their work was second to none. It was both very, very good. Beautiful. And Exciting. T- tomorrow morning, obviously, final acceptances and the barrier draws will come out uh, for Saturday. We know some jockeys like to do the homework. Um, Craig Williams, we know he's heading the books, but other jockeys like Pikey will just kind of ride on field and not look too much at it. Which one are you? Do you will you study the form and look at potential speed maps and barriers or opposition or or not really? Um, yeah, I, I I look at it um, and I do form, um, but I don't probably get set into a real plan. Um, I'm a big believer on you got to ride a horse where it lands. Horses have to be able to travel to finish off, um, and things can change very quickly out there. You know, it's. The gates open, the leader misses the kick, and then you got to figure it out. But yeah. I think it's a you got to have you got to know your general speed around you. Um, obviously, the horses around you, and the ones to follow. If you want to follow any, um, you got to know the ones in the market or the ones you think are going to run well. Because if you're back in the field and you got horses all around you, you need to be able to pick which one you want to follow. Um, but yeah, it's I just, do you do you do your form, but then you go out with an open mind as well because um, things seem to change very quickly. Do you always do your do your own form, or have you got any help from the outside with anyone? Yeah, I've got um, James Winks. He does a couple of the boys, mm-hmm. and yep. he's very good for that because um, I can also find that you know, by the time race morning comes around and you've ridden track work, you've lost your weight, you don't have an overly lot of time to sit down and do a lot of form. Um, yep. And James, he provides like a rough guide of what he thinks is going to happen. Um, and then you'll discuss that, obviously, what you've looked through, um, and you'll just compare notes. But, yeah, at the end of the day, he's like a rough guide. It, it comes back onto us what we want to do, um, where you want to put the horse. But everything, well, the way I look at it, everything is just a guide of what's going to happen, um, and you have to go out and execute it. I suppose it can all change as soon as the gates open, can't it? So. Yeah, exactly. 
obviously yeah. horses they they're horses they're not a don't, there's no big green go button on the on the pummel that you can press go so obviously they miss the kick and do all different things so yeah it's uh just open mind's probably the best way and it's all about a feel you need a feel um if your horse is going to be out of its comfort zone and you're going to be a spot closer then you probably don't want to be there sometimes you got to come back and let your horse travel even if you do end up in an awkward spot and just trust yourself that you're going to be able to find a way out of it Yep, um, we touched on some of the horses you'll be riding in the spring. Um, what what sort of preparations do you expect them to have? Like, have you can you outline um, some of the, ex- the the preparations horses like passive aggressive and nonconformist are going to go through? Yeah, well, passive aggressive she hasn't got any set targets. Um, he's going to let her see how she goes Saturday. If she wins well after that then he'll make up his mind which path she goes down. Um, yeah, just Graham because, Beck. Yeah, Graham Begg. Just because there's so many sprint races, um, yeah. sprint races every Saturday. So there's no real need to have a set task. Um, he probably, because she had a few issues early days, he will want to steer away from the dry tracks as well. So okay. going probably where the wet tracks are. Um, but yeah, she'll run Saturday if she performs well then he'll probably make up a plan of where she wants to go. Um, but, yeah, the world's her oyster. She could end up anywhere, yep. to be honest. Um, champion as, sprint. Yeah, exactly, champion sprint. Oh, gee, the endless, really. Should be welcome in the Manicato. around. Yeah, <laughs> Manicato. <laughs> I'll, um, I'll leave that up to Graham. He's, uh, he's the man with all the plans, so I'll leave it up to him and he'll make the decision um, as far as non-conformist goes he'll probably go to 14 or 1400 on saturday and then he'll probably go to a mile race um and then i'm not sure he'll probably i think the plan at the moment is to run in the might and power where he ran second last year beating the nose which still hurts to say (laughs) (laughs) um but he'll probably he'll probably run in that a week before the caulfield cup um and then obviously running the caulfield cup after that so It'd be nice for him if he could pick up a Group 1 race on the way through. Um, he definitely deserves it. So, no, they're, they're both going well, and hopefully they can get through Saturday unscraved and run well and go on from there. Do you think nonconformists would, like, if he, if he wins the Caulfield Cup or runs well enough, do you think you'd, we'd be seeing him in the Melbourne Cup maybe, or is that stretched too far? Oh, look, I'm not sure. Um, obviously, the distance would be a worry. I, yeah. My gut feeling would say it probably would be too far, um, and I don't think they would head that way, um, unless he comes out and runs extremely well um, and, and absolutely well stays the trip true and proper. Um, but I think that might be a little bit far for him. Because he's not really down, is he? He's still got a reasonable sprint when you ask him to go. He, he does. Yeah, he's got a good turn of foot. Um, yeah. And even like over the 2,000 and 2,400, he can actually, he travels so well um, and you sort of, you hold him up for as long as you can or try and hold him in your hands for as long as you can until you press the button. And when you do press the button, he he finds two or three lengths. He's not a real dour, dour stayer. Um, That's why I say I reckon the Melbourne Cup might be a little bit too far. But saying that, if you drew well in the Melbourne Cup and you threw back the fence getting a suck run, well, who knows? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Two exciting horses for sure. Um, nonconformist obviously could be a Group One winner already. Very unlucky not to be. And passive aggressive looks well on her way. We've got three listener questions, one each before we wrap up. 
my one is from Gerp, who he who he goes by the Instagram name of underscore badash uh, underscore. He says, "What's been your most heartwarming victory in recent times?" In recent times, um, heartwarming. Oh, no, the, yeah, they're probably the ones that mean the most. Uh, oh, obviously, probably probably non-conformist getting him into the Caulfield Cup. Um, that was probably mentioned, should have mentioned that before. That was another good day. It just, it just, well, it's like it's their last chance to get into the main race, um, and you go out there to do a job, and it just, it feels good inside when you can execute it, execute it, and get it done. Because um, obviously, you've got the owners, their connections, um, obviously, they're hanging on to what's going to happen when you go out there, and when you go out and get the job done, you come back in and see all their faces. It's a pretty good feeling. That was a ten out of ten. <laughs> well, Buck. I've got one from one of our mates, Geordie. You and I both yep. know. Jack Adam has got one question. How yeah. is the state of your housemate you after Carlton got rolled on Sunday? In brackets, <laughs> Poss. <laughs> <laughs> he actually, Poss went to the footy. Uh, yeah, Poss and Dean is my housemate. He's also works in the jockey's room as a valet and yeah, diehard Carlton supporter. Um, he went to the game and yeah, I'm glad he didn't stay home and watch it because the house would have probably got flipped upside down. Um, but he's uh, only just come out of his room before. He's been crying for a few days. <laughs> still still can't talk about it to him. He uh, he gets very emotional. Still a bit raw. <laughs> and we've got a question from... Um, we've got a question from Champagne Henny. Um, what's your favourite stable to represent or at least strongest relationship with a trainer slash owner right now? Um, Graham Begg, yeah, Graham yeah. Begg. He's been part of my career for a long time. Um, I, actually, the first horse I ever rode for Graham was written by at Sandown. Oh so, yeah, well, huge. Yeah, it was the first horse I ever rode for him. I, um, I I walked out. I picked it up actually the morning of because um, Brad Willer, he was meant to ride him, but he got suspended on the Friday night at Mooney Valley beforehand and. He wanted to get back to ride Blackheart Bart over in Perth um, the next week, so he got off his rides on Saturday. And I had a really good night that Friday night, rode three winners. Um, and I woke up Saturday morning to my manager calling me and said, oh, I've got a horse here and a two-year-old uh, for Graham Begg. Do you want to ride it? And I obviously said yes. I got to the races and I walked out, and I didn't know what Graham Begg looked like, to be honest, because <laughs> he'd been training in Sydney, and then he had a bit of time off. And then he came to Melbourne and obviously started his training career. And, and I, I didn't know what he looked like. I'd say one of the boys, what does Graham Begg look like? And they pointed me out to him. And, yeah, the first horse I ever rode from was written by. Um, and then that's how our association started. Obviously going on to then win a group one. And then now we've, we've won quite a few big races together. So uh, it's been a good association. Mm, good first impression. Awesome. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, oh, I think that's just about us. Jordy, thanks for your time. Um, no it's been brilliant. Boys. Hopefully you can get another group one this spring with non-conformist or passive-aggressive and uh, we'll be watching on at the races for sure. Beautiful. Thanks, boys. Appreciate it. Thanks, Jordy. Thanks, Cheers. Awesome. See you guys. Thanks, mate.